Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bombas socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Hello and welcome to Beyond the Noise, the podcast series from PR Week. I'm Frankie Oliver, your host and founder of New Society. And today I'm joined by UK editor John Harrington. Hello. Hi. And our very special guest, Siobhan Holt, news editor also from PR Week. Hello, Hello. welcome. It's the first Thank time you've been on. It's it lovely is. to have you. It is. Thank you for letting me join. Oh, it's a pleasure. <laughs> so this week... Yes, we're going to keep going with a bit more can, and I think this will probably draw it to a close. But this week it is a final, probably, uh, conversation about can. And really, this week we're going to be looking at the work and a number of the campaigns that came out and our, our points of view on, on what we thought did well. So, John, first, oh, let's go straight to you. Yeah. Iceland and its loans campaign. What did you yes. think? Well, I think it's good to look at the PR lines winners, some of them that did well. And I'm going to start with one of the let's face it, relatively few that had an idea creation credit to a PR agency, Ison Food Club, um, from Ketchum. Now, very simply, it was a series of, of micro loans um, to help customers during the cost of living crisis. Obviously, rising food costs, this was something that the supermarket and Ketchum decided to go through with, and it got um, a huge amount of positive publicity and a huge number of loans that were actually taken out. So, it's it's obviously a really fantastic thing to be doing. You know, it's it's, it's no more important thing that a uh, a food retailer can do at this time, I think, than than help with with food costs. And this was an innovative way to do it. So um, so well done to uh, to Ketchum and to Iceland. I mean, interestingly, I was I was having this um, conversation about whether this even counts as a PR campaign, given it's really it's an operational thing, isn't it? It's it's a it's a business decision. Um, and I, I messaged Jaron Robertson, who's the chair of the uh, PR Lions, um, just about about this. She's also from Ketchum, incidentally, um, and about a few other Lions winners. Um, and the point she made is that they were judging against um, a couple of bits of criteria. Um, were they earned at the core? Were they uh, deep in culture? And did they have an impact, whether that's commercial or societal? And her view was that if it did that, 
the campaign did that, then there wasn't necessarily a need for, you know, what we might consider a great creative spark. Um, so from that point of view, I think that was, I think that was interesting, but we had a bit of a, bit of a discussion about this, didn't we? You know? Yeah. I mean, I suppose it's interesting to, to define what you think PR is and what a PR idea should be, because obviously there are publicity ideas, but that's really one small part of really what public relations should be. And I think, you know, I'm delighted when I see these sorts of ideas because they show real innovation at a business level um, that responds to what's happening out in the world where a business can um, reputationally uh, deliver an impact for its customer. And often, I, I mean, I've got years of experience of being in those situations where actually communicate earned first communications consultancies are incredibly good at coming up with business innovation ideas to deliver meaningful impact in society and with their customer. And sometimes it can be incredibly hard to get those ideas away because you're in a silo or who you happen to be reporting to within the organisation. And I think the fact that they were able to work with their client and deliver that kind of idea that is real mm. and actually makes a difference and isn't just tomorrow's fish and chip paper is absolutely the sort of work that I think we as an industry should be delivering. Yeah, I mean, it, it, when I was thinking more about this, remember when COVID first hit, the first first lockdown and so oh, on? God, let me think. I know. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, God, don't don't lockdown you know. one, lockdown one. We like lockdown one a bit, I think. Yeah, yeah go it, on. It had the novelty. Yeah. Uh, the, <laughs> sequels, the sunshine. <laughs> sequels were getting a bit, a bit, a bit tired. But um, yeah, do you remember at that time, the idea of traditional kind of creative PR campaigns were sort of put on one side and you had things like, you know, Leon having their deliveries to NHS staff and, and that sort of stuff. The it was focus, a crisis. It was crisis. Yeah. The focus moved to helping people in need in a crisis. And I think that's what's happening now. Absolutely. So, you know, it shows that if it's PR agencies, PR teams on the front foot with that, then then all the better. But I do think it's it's an interesting debate there around what you'd, you'd usually associate with creativity and creative campaigns at, at can generally, not just in the PR lines. But, you know, I, I guess that's just the evolution of, um, of the genre. I also think... It does show that PR has risen so much as uh, to become such a vital business function. And I think this is something that, you know, arguably wasn't the case before the period of perma crisis to such an extent, you know, in the sort of uh, COVID era and arguably a couple of years before then with Brexit and Trump and obviously the um, um, various other social movements and, um, and the climate crisis and so on. So that's a roundabout way of saying I think it's interesting that this is one. I wouldn't normally associate this with a can winner, but actually it's a good sign that it's a can winner and it's, yeah, it's a good sign for our industry. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it sort of echoes what we heard at the crisis conference yesterday from a lot of them that they they are working very closely with the C-suite now, which so maybe we're going to get more of these campaigns um, over the next few months. And I definitely know we've seen Nationwide are doing a very similar thing where they're giving um, – their members at uh, £100, obviously, to help with the crisis. Um, and their campaign that they're running is just taken over. So I think there's going to be more of a big trend towards this. And it's, it's well, just we saw it also with say. Asda, didn't we, as well? We Absolutely. saw Asda also Absolutely. were, you know, they were delivering pound, I think it was meals for a pound in mm. a cafe yes. and so forth, wasn't it? So 
Um, and I think the co-op Christmas campaign, that definitely deviated from the typical Christmas campaign, didn't it? It was very mm. much focusing on helping people to understand how they could cook on, on lower budgets and so forth. So you have to read the temperature yes. of what's going on around you. And we're in a permacrisis. And actually, what is your role in terms of delivering the, the value and the relationship with the customer? And, and it has responded, the industry has responded in the right way, I would suggest. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. It, was, it was interesting in the, going back to the crisis. So yesterday was our crisis comms conference, PR Week's crisis comms conference. And um, it was the, the comms director there, Christina Hess from uh, Octopus Energy, who was talking about some of the work they've done to help customers. Um, and a lot of that was done with, not all with comms, but comms was definitely a really important part of that. Um, the way the way she explained it, and some of that stuff was, you know, really effective. It seemed to be really effective, practical stuff to help customers, and it wasn't necessarily used as a publicity drive. You know, they weren't didn't necessarily put out a press release about it, but no. it was the broader communications with customers and the broader sense of you know, helping customers. Absolutely. She was given an example of um, a barometer that they had created um, that then ended up going on the um, the accounts for their customers. And she said, as a result, the customers were sharing that. And so the PR came from them. And But the idea was never meant to be a PR campaign. It was meant to be working collaboratively with the tech department, with the customer service department. So I think it all goes back to this sort of collaboration that's going on at different levels public relations is public relations exactly and that's got lost along the way i think to a certain extent yeah. by media relations and just thinking that that's the one trick pony the end game this, yeah what the, this industry is about and it absolutely isn't and i think that's possibly where you know as you were saying john that's where the industry is now on a much better footing because it's been allowed to step into that space in a way that it can play a really credible um and beneficial role to the business and to the to the customer you know at the end of the day yeah um, so yeah, it, it definitely looks like, but I, I know that can creativity, but, but, you know, what is the right thing to do when you're in a crisis effectively? Yeah. Yeah. Tonally coming up with the right impact idea, I would have thought. So Siobhan, on to you. So the Adidas Ravi Superstar, tell us more. <laughs> yeah. So this, this was a very different campaign. Um, it was, it was, I found it a bit more fun if I'm being honest, um, it was more fun than um, loans to uh, stop people. <laughs> yes, yeah, yes. it was. <laughs> um, it was more, but it was still very societal, though. So it was um, Ravi Restaurant, which is um, family-owned business in Dubai. It's been going years, and I think it's a bit of a, a, a staple of the area. Um, Adidas had created a, a trainer for them, um, and it was sort of focusing on local business. So it was a very different campaign. Do you know but, why? It was more about celebrating the local community and food and hospitality. Um, I believe Adidas will be covering, we're covering 11 restaurants in 11 cities um, with 11 sneaker designs. So I think it was just a bit of an interesting take. And obviously they have this sort of nostalgic um, appeal um, in a very modern way. And I think they were just mixing that up and, it was it's super random. I know. It is super random. Yeah. I mean, it's sort of, it's one of those ones that maybe we have to live in Dubai to understand the cultural relevance of maybe, restaurants yeah. and the crowd that's going there and the sorts of target audience that might be there for Adidas, which is the reason why they did that sort of collaboration. Yeah. I mean, I'm even looking here, there's like coverage in Grazia magazine. Yeah, it's that's so what random. I'm reading. Yeah, yeah. I've just lifted that bit because I was like, that it's wasn't like, in the video. Yeah, but it's, um, <clears throat> it's not, you know, your natural collaboration it's not like you know the latest basket 
football no, player, is no, it? So no. it's um yeah. I mean that's the one where I feel like we need to see the award entry in the video. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, again, it was um they're called trainers. Yeah, they are. They've got the restaurant printed on the inside of the tongue. Um, Very cool. The menu. <laughs> but the um but I suppose it does go back to it just feels like a creative got drunk in rubber restaurants <laughs> one night, don't you think? And just went, Yeah, let's just create let's the rubber skeet. Do you know what that. I mean? It's got yeah. that sort of feel to it, hasn't it? There's absolutely no reason to do it whatsoever, but maybe this guy kind of hangs out there. I feel like there's some random story, but anyway. <laughs> But if we're going off the criteria, which was lived deep in culture, had real impact, and it was commercial or societal, it does tick all those boxes. Yeah, I mean, you can write an award entry many ways, but yeah, I agree, I agree. (laughs) So on to another trainer brand, Nike, and um, their sponsorship of the Women's Euros and um, their home campaign. So a really simple campaign where effectively they replace the Nike branding with home and then that was taken through all of their um their kind of key assets from you know flags to sportswear to um everything that the the women's uh teams were using so so what did you think i mean i saw an interesting debate i think it was mark perkins who was leading it on linkedin he was like this is not a winner um <laughs> but what i mean from my perspective i thought it was fantastic and sometimes the the simplicity of something can be annoying. <laughs> um, and I expect that's probably what Mark was talking about. And I think sometimes if you're in a position where you can carry through the simplicity of an idea all the way through a brand so that it delivers that kind of impact, it really can make sense. Um, and that's where if you own you know, a logo that you can change mm. that already has so much cultural relevance, when you change it and you you know, you're interacting with this massive cultural moment that England might actually bring at home. It was the most important message. And I think they did it very well. What did you think? Wasn't, um, I agree. I think it was, it was a good, it was a good campaign. I think Mark's concern was that about how much of an earned media campaign it was. I think his view was because you're Nike and you've just got so much visibility, you've got so much resource. um, Actually, it doesn't count in the same way that something like the Adidas campaign does because that is more about tapping into um you know culture that's a, a sort of cultural melting pot that people would talk about and it's kind of got a quirkiness element to it whereas this is a you know effectively i wouldn't say product placement because the product is is the cause but um yeah i mean it's that's, got wider connotations what, yeah. yeah i think that that's what but it's, again again it's like i obviously haven't seen the full award entry in terms of what it may or may not have delivered i think there was a moment where sadiq khan was on television kind of wearing wearing the shirt and so forth so not quite sure how it carried all the way through but what is really smart is that obviously sport is visual mm. and any picture any tv shot anything would have captured the inversion of the brand in that way that I think will have engaged people with the brand much better than if they hadn't have done it. And that is earning, earning a relationship with the, with your, you know, uh, with your stakeholders, with your customers, with all of those sports fans. So Mm. I think therefore it was quite clever. Yeah. No, fair enough. Yeah. No, I agree. I agree. I think it was clever. So John, on to the next one, where to settle with MasterCard. Yeah. So I thought, I thought I'd pick this one. By the way, these aren't necessarily my very most favourite from the PR lines, but <laughs> I think it's good to sort of follow on from themes. And I, 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 I sort of put this in a similar way in the, cate- the category of the 
Iceland Food Club one. Um, so anyway, I'll discuss it first. So Where to Settle, um, which is by McCann Poland, um, it's for MasterCard. So um, effectively, this was some tech um, that was, was produced, sort of an app effectively to help um, refugees from Ukraine who were moving obviously into Poland in great numbers um, last year, advising them where the best place to settle was in terms of the facilities um, and the infrastructure and you know access to finance and, and jobs and accommodation, all that sort of stuff. Because... Um, as you can imagine, a lot of people would just head for the obvious places to to Warsaw and um, other big cities, but that wasn't necessarily the best the best way to go. And obviously, there were uh, the Polish government were presumably having difficulty with um, logistics of it all. So this was used a lot. Um, some uh, quite a high percentage of people who uh, from Ukraine who who moved into Poland used it, um, and it just strikes me a bit like, as I say, the Ice and Food Club one. It's just a useful thing to do to help people um, linked to a very clear cause. So from that point of view, I think that it's... Um Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Mm. Yeah, it, it did the job and was, was clearly effective. But I do think it gets down to that point again, you know, is this a PR campaign or is this something a company did that was the right thing to do to help people in need? Um, so it's the same debate in a way. Um, but, the, but the brief possibly for a PR campaign may start with what's the right thing to do at this moment for people in need. Mm. And if you're going to create something meaningful that has better impact, it needs to be meaningful. Yeah, it's not um, commercial, it's society. Yeah, but yeah. again, I expect it was probably a mixture, right? And I... I expect if MasterCard was delivering that at a business level, it probably became an innovation that was a collaboration between the marketing communications teams and the development teams. Mm. Yeah, I would have thought so. Yeah. I would have thought so. But very much a business, yeah, a business strategy mm. um, element too, which it, is which is not a bad thing. And it would definitely fit with MasterCard because obviously their work in the UK over the years has recently has been supporting small businesses. So this idea of working locally, even on a bigger scale, it would fit their, their It's interesting, isn't it? Because American Express is always the one that I think of as the brand that if you're in trouble somewhere in the world, you make a phone call and American Express will be there. Do you yeah, know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. So it's interesting yeah. that MasterCard kind of went into that space maybe more than American than Express. Than American Express, yeah. 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 Well, there was this, do you remember a few years ago, there was this MasterCard campaign um, during one of the big football tournaments where they would give uh, meals to um, poor parts of uh, South America based on how many goals were scored by certain players. 
Um, I've never heard po- of this. <laughs> possibly the worst pit campaign I've ever seen. Yeah. Um, it was dug, dubbed um, the Hunger Games. Oh no. Um, so I think you know clearly they've they've learned their lessons that actually if you try to be quirky with it, if you try to make it look like you're you know doing something for effect rather than just doing a good thing, and a lot of people made the point then. Well, if you've got the money, why don't you just give it to the people who need it? So in a way, I think this shows the maturity of purpose campaigns. Absolutely. Yeah. And I suppose it's where purpose ultimately is something that sit, should sit at the heart of business strategy. Yeah. It should sit at the heart of everything that they do. So if, if, if this is now manifesting itself in the right way and the way that it's delivering these sorts of campaigns that engage with customers or respond to societal issues... That's the right thing rather than a PR campaign that's simply using something in the external world to create media coverage. So absolutely, that purpose needs to rock all the way through the business. And really, the end point is the media coverage, right? Yeah. So um, on to the next campaign, Mm. Siobhan, the Dove campaign. Yes. Uh, So this has... uh sort of similarities to what you were saying earlier. Um, So it was in the Social and Influence Alliance um, and it was created by Edelman Toronto. And it's called Keep the Grey. It is, yeah. They picked up a silver for this one. So um, it's Keep the Grey for Dove. And the premise was that, um, I think it was a newsreader in Canada um, had gone back to, had gone to a natural colour, stopped dyeing her hair um, and they believe had lost her job based on the fact that she had stopped dyeing her hair and that she wasn't trying to look younger. Um, and so there was a big hoo-ha, I think you can say, that um, if if she'd been a male broadcaster, would this have happened? Um, and there was a lot of comment at the time, and as a result, Dove felt the need to react to this. So what they did was they created, their logo was changed to a grey logo, um, and then their influences and, and the mar- and the uh, social around it, they did a lot of campaigning. And as a result, the people followed. So it became a real talking point. Um, and I, although I, it's not anything, it's not necessarily original. <laughs> it's not an original, you know, it's quite a simple concept of following based on the news. What I just loved about it was that it just really gets you thinking. You ask, you do think, yeah. But I think it, it, it responded brilliantly yeah. to, um, you, you know, the way that somebody was treated because of the way that they look. Yeah. Way, the way that a woman was treated well, yes. because of the way yeah. that she, she looked and was incredibly ageist. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I think to respond to that in the way that they did, I think was incredibly smart. Yeah, yeah. And again, it, it goes back to your point about purpose. You know, they've really tried to work at, being quite a campaigner especially about looks and and obviously I think there can be more of a leniency towards um the impact of uh, influencers and a younger demographic but I thought it was a nice refreshing change that it was more for a campaign for older women rather than it just being about you know looks and and how it affects mental health of younger people. They're echoes of always like a girl in a way because that was but it seems like you know such a classic campaign um from from always from was almost 10 years ago wasn't it i mean that was that was one where it took what was a sort of a supposedly slightly insulting um phrase you know doing something like a girl in in you know insulting way when it comes to sport or physical activity yeah. and turn it into a positive thing this is kind of similar yeah. in a way yeah absolutely and it's it's definitely feeding into sort of what what's being spoken out at the time as well i think it's really tapping into that 
topic of conversation, which is a really important one. Well, I suppose it's just the the anything that really says that a woman should look like in a certain way. And they're obviously moving on, as you say, from the kind of the, the younger image of body image yeah. effectively yeah, yeah. and yeah. now starting to engage in the kind of over 50s conversation, which I think increasingly we're going to see from many brands, you know, in, yeah. in the coming years, as, as well as also the increasing conversations around menopause and so forth. Absolutely. Yeah. So finally, to um, this year's Grand Prix winner, which was a campaign called um, Self Love um, for a US brand called DoorDash, which I presume is a bit like delivery um and that was created by um an agency in la called gut singles could order a bouquet of flowers for themselves where 11 were roses and one was the rose vibrator um so um so yeah i was a bit surprised by it if i'm Mm. honest and i can imagine that it absolutely probably got you know fantastic amounts of uh, media coverage and it definitely did you know, hit on um, a kind of social taboo potentially. But as a Grand Prix winner, mm. it's the kind of thing that I can imagine would have been in one of my press office slides, but <laughs> <laughs> in a pitch. But I can't, I, I'm, I'm surprised that it's it's got the Grand Prix position. Um, but, you know, as, as Joanne always said, it was just an incredibly simple insight and that's kind of what sat behind it. Yeah. John, what did you think? Um... I think this year there is a much closer link between obvious success and whether it's going to win and what level it's going to win. I think previously, when I look at, you know, the, not just the PR lines, but most of the lines, there's this real sense of like original spark of something that makes you go, wow. And I don't think there's as much of that this time. It definitely isn't. There's a no. definite rollback and I think on this quality is, of work. <laughs> yeah. And I think it's reflected in this campaign. I think this campaign looked perfectly fine. It obviously did great work. You know, it, it was very, very effective. So from that point of view, that is what matters. And in a way, I think maybe this is what we should be celebrating because, you know, for, for, for years, the PR industry has kind of said, look at the impact we can have. Um, it's not all about the kind of, uh, mega blockbuster campaigns that ad agencies do that sort of blow your mind with like these incredible visuals and all the rest of it. Actually, it's about results. And this had results and it won big because it had big results. You know, there are so many other campaigns like this. I mean, you look at, you know, another campaign talked that we talk about quite a lot, you know, the baked beans and Weetabix yes. campaign yeah, that the Frank spawned yeah. a zillion imitators of quirky things with food in the last sort of couple of years. But with that, it's kind of, you know, if you'd never seen that before and that was put into can, you might think, what? You put, bait, you put, firstly, I don't know what baked beans is because I'm not from Britain. Some mm, of them probably yeah, say, yeah. Um, but it would, it, it, it doesn't sort of leap out as like an amazingly sort of stunning original idea, but that was really effective. And this was clearly really effective as well. So I think the insight was always there, wasn't it? I mean, oh God, I've sat in how many Valentine's brainstorms along the year <laughs> and actually, you know, many, many people's, you know the, the the general guidance is don't bother um, because <laughs> yeah. there'll be what there'll be one story and there'll be a quarter of a page available somewhere and you know it's the the competition is absolutely massive, but I think you know there's always been lots of conversations about what this mean, means for single people and I think you know there's a million ideas out there in the industry that have thought about this um, and and this one obviously cut through so it obviously did very well. Siobhan, what did you think? Um, it's not the most original, but then maybe we're talking obviously Valentine's Day last year. 
I'm imagining. Yes. So maybe at the time it was a bit more, because it's quite a while ago, things move on. So maybe at the time it was a very big topic of conversation. And again, like you say, I don't know exactly how the criteria was, but maybe people were sharing this more on social when they got these. Maybe the actual coverage was really I think the social conversation was really yeah. strong I'd love to have seen actually commercially how many of them sold I yes. think that would have been a yeah. really a really um good piece I mean at the end of the day Valentine's Day has just turned into this awful sort of day hasn't it yeah. and I mean who really does I mean you're going out to a restaurant having an awful time so it was definitely an inversion of something that I think definitely created a conversation around a day that has become really boring yeah, so, yeah very true you know, for that reason but I suppose you know, if we look back, oh God, I used to do can reviews all the time of, you know, the sorts of work that was coming out. It would set the bar of, oh, wow, look at that amazing work that's just come out of, you know, brilliant campaign. And I suppose it just doesn't, it feels like a good idea. It could have got maybe a listing in the PR Week Awards, maybe not have won the PR Week campaign of the year. Do you know what I mean? It would have been a really good PR campaign. But is it setting the bar, as you say, of really innovative work that you think, right, absolutely, that's going to inform some of the work that I'm going to do next year? Yeah. Possibly not. It feels like one of those ideas that you feel like you should have done, but you didn't do, but somebody has finally done it. <laughs> yeah. Well, maybe that's it. Maybe <clears throat> maybe that shows it's it's not such a bad thing. It, it actually, first thing I thought of was this campaign from maybe five years ago called um, Boo Cakes. Do you remember Boo Cakes? No. No. Well, Boo Cakes. Boo Cakes. Right. Well, sit down and let me tell you a story. It was, um, it was, a, cam- with John. It was a campaign by Mr. Kipling. It was basically a bouquet of flowers, but made from cakes. Boo cakes. Nice. Right. I think that was seen as very much a kind of picture stunt. You know, it was fine. It got some really decent publicity, probably. Um, admittedly, this seems like it's linked more to, as you say, um, research and a sort of an issue in society um, and clearly, I think there's a genuine successful. insight there. I would really yeah. love to know because I think there would be people that would genuinely order that bouquet. Yeah. So I think you know potentially it could be a commercial thing that happens every every year. You know, yeah. I think it is therefore and quite it, a good idea. It could have put DoorDash on the map. Uh, maybe that's another reason why. Maybe the commercial aspect was yeah. phenomenal. It, like yeah. you say, we we need to know really the yeah. The, but but we did ask Joanne about this, didn't we? When she came on last time, like, is it the results? And the, you know, there's obviously effectiveness awards, mm. and and Joanne said it's all about the creativity. So it's interesting, isn't it? You know, I, there are some other other campaigns that I thought were interesting in this. The um, lettuce Liz one. So these these are some campaigns genius. that we know. It was, it was genius that campaign. I mean, this is this is the one for the star, famously, where they had a, a lettuce um, that was dressed up like Liz Truss, and they asked the question, "Will the lettuce last longer than Liz Truss?" We probably all remember it. I thought that was it was just interesting to see a publisher like winning one of these campaigns. I mean, did anyone else find that the, unusual? So it was the, the start. The Daily Star are hilarious, aren't they? But they absolutely caught the zeitgeist of the moment, didn't they? And it was just a brilliant idea. Yeah, I agree. I mean, it was just, you know, brilliant. Because actually, I, I've actually worked with, you know, sub-editors and stuff. Anybody that can come up with a good headline is obviously normally then you can backtrack on the idea. But somebody just thought, Lattice Liz. Yeah. And yeah. it went from there. And yeah. she, she didn't like it though, John. What was Pure it? is what um, our former <laughs> prime minister called it. I think we'd also talk about your economics in that way as well, Liz. But anyway, let's move on. Um, I was just talking about as well, there was one campaign that was not in the awards that I was quite surprised by, which was Prime. So we talked about, do you remember yes. Prime? So um, 
for any of our listeners that don't have a nine-year-old like me, Prime is um, an incredible drink. Well, not an incredible drink. I actually think it's disgusting. But anyway, it's a drink that kind of created the first playground craze that I think I've ever seen, you know, in the last 10 years. Um, and there used to be a time, you know, when I was first in PR where it was you'd get brief after brief after brief, you know, we want this to be the next playground craze. And obviously with the advent of gaming and, you know, most kids being online, an actual real thing, creating a craze was just a, a really unusual thing. Um, and it's just been phenomenal. It has taken over, you know, kid culture to the point where, you know, KSI was on, you know, news at 10 saying kids don't buy this because the pri pricing... Uh, they basically had an availability issue, which meant it was being sold for over £100 for one small drink on eBay. Um, and it's absolutely captured that target audience. But didn't think I saw any mention of it in this year's winners, right? No, maybe there wasn't a, a major sort of ad agency involved in it or PR agency directly involved in it. So maybe they didn't feel... Well, it was how you create a craze and it's fascinating, isn't it? Because they create, they did the classic supply and demand thing, which is obviously, you know, PR tactics of creating limited editions and, you know, creating that sense that something isn't available mm. and there'll be that lead up to when it might be available is a, just a brilliant way to create a conversation and create demand for something. And it did a brilliant job of that. I spent a lot of money on it, but anyway. <laughs> um, but I thought it was an incredible campaign. And the fact that it then covered all the way through to News at 10, I think is um, extraordinary. Yeah. So that brings us to the end of this episode, I think. I'm sure there's probably many more awards that, that we could discuss. Well done to everybody that, that won um, at Cannes this year. And um, we'll look forward to Danny hopefully joining us next time with his update. Thank you so much for listening and we'll look forward to you joining us next time. <laughs>